The Braves' NLDS matchup is set, and they'll be facing a familiar foe in the Philadelphia Phillies. And we got some big news to kick off the week as the Braves have locked up another young player in Spencer Strider. We'll talk about that, set up everything for the NLDS, give you my three biggest keys for this series, all that on a Monday episode of Lockdown Braves. So let's get into it. You are locked on Braves. Your daily Atlanta Braves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, and welcome back to Locked On Braves, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, where we cover your favorite Atlanta sports teams each and every day. Make sure you download the Locked On Sports Atlanta app on Roku and Amazon Fire devices, where you can get this podcast and the one with me and Grant McCauley after each and every postseason game. I am your host, Jake Mastriani. You can follow me on Twitter at shortstopball and check out my bio there to see where I am covering the game of baseball. Also, make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at Lockdown underscore Braves and send in any questions, comments, or feedback that you have for the podcast. Subscribe to us on YouTube if you're new. And do me a favor, whether you're new or not, hit that thumbs up button and that notification bell. It does help support the channel. And thanks for making Lockdown Braves your first to listen. We post episodes daily, five days a week, Monday through Friday, and are free and available on all platforms. We'll have a ton of coverage for you throughout this postseason run, so make sure that you are subscribed and locked in to Locked On Braves. On today's episode, got a lot to talk about. Some breaking news early on Monday morning as the Braves have extended another young player in Spencer Strider. We'll talk about that and also give you some injury update or in injury update on Spencer Strider, a positive one in that. And then we'll get into the NLDS preview, uh, break down the pitching matchups for game one. And then I will give you my three biggest keys to this series. Then we'll talk about what happened over Wild Card Weekend, which was a lot of fun, a lot of good baseball being played. I'll go ahead and tell you tomorrow's episode will be a crossover episode with me and Connor from Locked On Phillies. So make sure that you're subscribed and ready for that on Tuesday. But let's start with the big news from Monday morning. Uh, Braves extend or contract, give a contract extension to Spencer Strider for six years and $75 million. Alex Anthopoulos does it yet again, locking up another young player with all this talented core through the rest of this decade. Uh, Spencer Strider will make $1 million in 23 and 24, and then that goes to $4 million in 25, and then all the way up to $20 million in 2026, and then he'll make $22 million and 27 through 28 and there's a 22 million dollar club option for 2029 so in total this this deal could be worth 92 million over the next seven years spencer strider played this year at age 23 so this takes him through his age 29 or his age 30 season and again you got to run through the list of young players who are now locked up and how long they're locked up for you got Austin Riley through 2033, Michael Harris through 32, Matt Olson through 2030, Spencer Strider now potentially through 29, Acuna through 28, Grissom through 28, Albies through 27, Contreras through 2027, Kyle Wright through 2026. You obviously got another couple of years of Max Freed. I mean, 
these guys want to be here. You don't get deals like this done unless players want to be here. And fans of other teams and even media members, you know, want to complain about what Alex Antibes is doing. This is fantastic. I mean, this is great, not just for the fans, but it's for the players too. They're getting guaranteed money. You don't know what's going to happen with these players' career. And they're getting themselves financially stable. Their future is taken care of. And, you know, that's great for both parties involved. And you don't get that done unless players want to be here. And I think that speaks to the culture and the atmosphere of this Atlanta Braves team and this Atlanta Braves organization that players are taking these deals because they could bet on themselves. Strider could bet on himself and go to free agency in a couple of years and perhaps want to be the, the biggest side after free agents on the market. But he wants to be here. He wants to be part of this championship winning culture that the Braves have in this decade run that they're going to have through the 2020s where they're going to constantly be competing for division titles and World Series championships. So to me, that speaks to the culture that the Braves have created and the front office has created. Guys want to be here. What it does mostly for the front office is it gives you payroll certainty. You know what these guys are going to cost you. You know what money you have on the books for the next six, seven years. That allows you to go out in free agency and you know what you can spend. You know what you can do. So that's why it's also you know so great for the front office. Now, in terms of the Spencer Strider deal, and I've talked about this a lot, you know, with a potential Max Freed extension. The reason I think that hasn't happened yet. One, I think, you know, Max Freed may want to bet on himself. He's going to be 30 by the time he's done with arbitration, which is sad in his case, great for the Braves. He may want to test free agency because he's only going to get one shot at it. You know, Spencer Strider, when this deal is done, he's still going to get a shot at at free agency, but this will be the only shot for Max Freed. So he may want to just test free agency and see what he can get, see if he can get one big bag. But, you know, in terms of pitchers, there's risk involved when you sign starting pitchers to long-term deals. Pitchers just, you know, they come with inherent risk, and you know they could get injured, and it could be a full year before you see them again. Now, both Freed and Strider, you know, have already had Tommy John surgery, but you know, that can obviously come up again. Braves have had several examples of players who have had to have multiple Tommy John surgeries, but I think you do feel a little bit better uh, when they've already had that procedure done. But still, there's a lot of risk when you sign starting pitchers to long-term deals. Now, um, the other news on Spencer Strider, and this is the news I was waiting to hear all weekend. I mean, I know there's a lot going on this weekend, a lot of playoff games, you know, college football going on, but I was sitting around all weekend waiting to hear something on Spencer Strider. And finally, as part of his uh, press conference Monday morning about his contract extension, we do get the news that Spencer Strider threw off a mound on Sunday and said he felt great this morning on Monday. He's planning to throw again on Monday afternoon, and then it'll be up to the Braves and the training staff, the coaching staff to decide the best role and availability for him in the NLDS. Now, as I said on Friday's podcast, the last big test for him was throwing off a mound. So he's done that. He felt good afterwards. To that, for that, that means he's going to be on the NLDS roster. I mean, I'm not trying to jinx anything, but you know, that was his last big hurdle. They said he had to pass. He passed it. He feels good. I think he's going to be on the NLDS roster. Now it comes down to what's his role going to be. And for me, if he's healthy and he says he feels good, you start him. 
whether it's game two, game three, I think you start him and you let him go as long as he can. You know, the Braves, if the Braves had a problem in the back end of their bullpen, then I would I would get it. And, and I'd say put him back there. And there were times this year when I thought that maybe that was the best spot for him. But, you know, I trust the Braves back of the bullpen right now. So I don't think it's as much of a need. So I use him as a starter, let him go as long as he can, even if that's just three or four innings. I let Spencer Strider start. The beginning of games are so key. You want to make sure you get to those middle innings, again, with that good Braves bullpen and be in a lead or be in a close game and give the Braves offense a chance to go to work. So for me, if Strider's healthy, it sounds like he is. I use him as a starter. Again, whether you want to consider that an opener, if he can get you three innings of dominant baseball like we're used to seeing from him, great. You know, if he can do more, give you five innings, even better. But that's how I would use him. Again, if there was a bigger need in the Braves' bullpen, then I could see maybe using him in that type of role. But I think he'd be better served as a starter and just let him go as long as he can. And hopefully he can get you through five innings and hopefully he can still be that dominant type of pitcher that he has been because, you know, Spencer Strider in four games this year, he's 4-0 against the Phillies with a 1-2-7 ERA and 34 strikeouts in 21 and a third innings. So that's pretty dominant work against the Phillies. I want him in there. I want him starting. I want him going as long as he can. Obviously, a lot of that is dependent on his health. All right, next, we'll turn our attention to the NLDS. I'll preview that series and give you my biggest keys for the Braves and the Phillies in, in the NLDS. Talk about that next. The numbers don't lie. In the last decade, over 4 million people have chosen Simply Safe Home Security to protect their home. You don't earn that trust of that many people without doing something right. At Simply Safe, your safety is the only thing that matters. It's super customizable, not a situation where you have to purchase things you don't need in order to get certain things you want. The system integrates well into your home and is easy to self-install. No need to have a tech come out and schedule something or to have a bulky unit that damages or messes up your home's design. It's very useful for security and peace of mind, but also for helping you make sure it's everything is secure each day. It can move with you even after you install it. Just remove the elements and take them with you to your new place. Customize the, customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysafe.com slash MLB. Save 20% on your Simply Safe security system when you sign up for an interactive monitoring plan and get your first month free. Visit simplysafe.com slash MLB to learn more. There's no safe like Simply Safe. So the Philadelphia Phillies went into St. Louis over the weekend and swept that series there, taking it two games to nothing. And really, it all started in the ninth inning of game one. It looked like the Cardinals were going to take game one of that series. They had their closer on the mound, who's been lights out all year, but Apparently had a finger injury and just could not find the plate. The Phillies score six runs in the ninth inning to take game one, six to three. They carried that momentum into game two and shut out the Cardinals with a two to nothing win to take that series. Looking at the head-to-head matchup between the Braves and Phillies this year, the Braves won the season series 11 to eight. Quickly give you the game times because I don't want to dwell on this too much, but game one is going to be at 107 Eastern on Tuesday and game two. We'll be at 4.35 p.m. Eastern, both of them on Fox. I hate the day game postseasons. I get why TV wants to do it, to try to spread out the game so everybody 
can focus on one game at a time. Look, we live in a world where people can do it. It's okay. The greatest thing about March Madness is that there's several games going on at one time. You can do it in MLB postseason as well and still get plenty of eyes, plenty of viewers, but I'll get off that soapbox there. Braves got to come out and get it done no matter when the game time is, and I feel confident that the fans will come out there and get it done as well. <clears throat> there is a, a huge importance in winning game one that you know goes without saying, but you know that is that is the advantage you get as the Braves being the division winner is you get to rest, you get to set up your rotation for game one. So winning that game, that's where your advantage is. After that, <clears throat> it's all set because then the Phillies are going to come back with Wheeler, they're going to come back with Nola in games two or three. So you got to take game one. You're at home. You got Max Fried on the mound versus, versus Ranger Suarez. You got to take that game. Obviously, Ranger Suarez, somebody the Braves are very familiar with. They've seen him five times this year. He's not going to strike out a ton of batters, but he's going to keep the ball in the yard. He has a 56% ground ball rate. I'll preview that matchup more on tomorrow's podcast. Freed, he's gone 10 straight starts of five innings or more with two earned, with only giving up two earned or less. He's faced the Phillies four times this year. Look, as a very familiar opponent. You know what each pitcher is going to be trying to do. You just got to hope Braves' Max Freed does it a little bit better. All right, I want to get into my keys for this series, my three keys for this series to watch, the first of which is home runs. And, again, I think that kind of goes without saying, but that's how both of these offenses are going to try to generate runs in this series. You look at that wild card. <clears throat> you look at the wild card weekend, you know, 50% of the runs scored via the home run ball. You know, that's what gets it done in the postseason. I was really curious to see what happened between the Mets and the Guardians, two teams who, over the course of the regular season, really excelled with contact and putting the ball in play. You saw the struggles that the Mets had. They really had one good inning against the Padres where Padres pitchers just couldn't throw strikes. And if you can't throw strikes to the Mets, then they're going to beat you. But other than that, that Mets offense struggled. And while the Guardians advanced in their series, they scored a total of three runs. So, again, you're going to score runs in the postseason. It's going to have to come off the home run ball. Braves were second in all of baseball in home runs. The Phillies were sixth. So that's how both of these offenses get it done. But on the flip side, the Braves allowed pitching, allowed the fourth fewest home runs, and the Phillies allowed the fifth fewest home runs. So both of these teams, very good at hitting the home run, and both of these pitching staffs, very good at limiting the home run. So something's got to give there. The, other, the next key I have are bullpen walks. And the Phillies bullpen, while it's improved and gotten better, especially with the addition of David Robertson and the move to Zach Eflin to the bullpen, they still struggle with walking batters. So when Jose Alvarado's in there, when Sir Anthony Dominguez is there, you know, who both have, you know, Alvarado has a 4.24 walk per nine. Dominguez has a 3.88 walk per nine. Got to be patient with those guys on the mound because, you know, in the postseason, a walk is a rally, you get a walk, you get a home run. That's how offense gets going in the postseason. So that to me is another key to watch in this series is the bullpen walks. And the Braves staff's been great all year. You know, McHugh has a 1.82, eight per nine. Minter, 2.93. Iglesias, 2.03. It's been 1.71 with Atlanta. 
Jansen's the only one who's really struggled with walks this year. He has a 3.09 walk per nine, but has been a lot better lately when he's had command of that cutter. Now, I mentioned Robertson and Eflin been both been very good. They both have a walk per nine under two. So it's really Alvarado and Dominguez that you really got to be patient with. You got to make sure their stuff is on, that they're able to throw it for strikes. But those are two guys that you could get to if you're patient with and get some runners and get a rally going. So home runs, walks by the bullpen, those are two of the biggest keys for this series. And then the other big key is defense. Look, we knew coming in this year for the Phillies that their defense could be problematic. And then it got even worse when Bryce Harper had to go out with injury and can only can only play the DH right now. You look at Fangraph's defensive rating, the Braves rank 18th, which is a lot lower than I would have guessed, but the Phillies rank 25th. You look at defensive run saves, the Braves rank 11th, which is more in line with what I would think. The Phillies rank 25th. You look at outs above average, Braves rank 11th again, while the Phillies rank 29th. So the Braves on the fringe of being a top 10 defense. The Phillies are one of the five worst defenses in all of baseball. And really, their defensive rating, what it is, and as bad as it is, it's boosted by the fact that JT Real Muto has a 19.8 defensive rating. He is by far carrying them on defense, and he will shut down you know, the running game for the Atlanta Braves. But he has a 19.8 defensive rating. Gene Segura is second on their team in defensive rating at 2.8, so a huge gap there. You look at some of their weakest spots, Reese Hoskins at first base, Kyle Schwarber in left field, Castellanos in right field. They are all among the worst defensively in baseball. Again, not having Bryce Harper out there really hurts them because he is a very good defensive player. But those are three guys right there that have really hurt the Phillies. Alec Bowman has been bad all year, but I'll tell you, in that series against the Cardinals, he was outstanding defensively. So perhaps he's gotten better here in the second half, but statistically over the year, Alec Bohm had not been very good defensively at third base. In fact, they had uh, Edmundo Sosa come in to as a defensive replacement for him in the end of that Cardinals series. On the flip side, you look at the Braves, you know, they've been very solid all year long defensively for the most part, especially once Michael Harris came up. Swanson leads the Braves with a defensive rating of 21.3. Travis Darno is second at 17.7 and then Michael Harris at 6.7, and then everybody else is kind of right around the one or two mark in defensive rating. I think it's interesting. RC is at 1.3. That's why he's likely going to be the starting second baseman. And you look at Matt Olson. Look, I've gone on record. It has not been the greatest defensive year for Matt Olson over there, at least not from our expectations, because the expectations coming over was that he's a gold glove first baseman. I have not seen that. He has a negative 9.4 defensive rating, but defensive rating is really harsh on first baseman. You know, there's only one first baseman who qualified that has a positive defensive rating, and that's Christian Walker. The second uh, number two defensive rating amongst first baseman is negative 7.3. So, you know, first baseman ratings are not great, but you look at Matt Olson, he ranks eighth among qualified first baseman and defensive rating, but he was second among all, amongst all qualified first basemen with five defensive runs saved. So again, while it hasn't been a great year for him there, he has been solid. And the numbers aren't great on Riley because he doesn't have a lot of horizontal movement, 
but we all know he's solid over there at third base. He has a negative 1.7 defensive rating, but has six defensive run saves, which is very solid. The really only weak spot for the Atlanta Braves is left field, where Eddie Rosario has negative two DRS and a negative 2.8 defensive rating. You know, that's really the only bad spot defensively for the Braves. So hopefully the Phillies hit it everywhere else. Acuna hasn't ranked well this year. The defensive rating for him is not great, but we all know the reasoning for that, and we still know what he can do. He can run down balls, get to balls, and we know he has uh, a strong arm out there in right field. So that should be one big advantage for the Braves in this series is defense. Again, the Phillies' defense was was sharp in uh, that Cardinals series, but you know, in a longer series, I think we see that play out for the Braves. So home runs. Obviously a huge key. Phillies have some big lefties and Schwarber who led the National League in home runs. Harper who had a big home run in that Cardinals series. So they got plenty of lefties who can hit balls into that chop house. But it's going to come down. I can almost guarantee you at the end of this series, the team with the most home runs will win this series. And then bullpen walks. Can the Braves take advantage of the Phillies bullpen late in games and put some pressure on them in close games to either get some add-on runs or come from behind, and then the defense. Does the defense play a big difference and a big role in this series? Can the Braves use that to their advantage? So those are my three biggest keys to watch for this NLDS against the Phillies. Again, we'll preview it more tomorrow as I talk with uh, Locked On Phillies as well, and we'll discuss that more on Tuesday's podcast. All right, next, I just want to talk a little bit about the wild card round where those uh, Mets are no longer part of the postseason picture. We'll discuss that next. So it was a very fun and entertaining weekend of playoff baseball. I hope you were able to sit down and enjoy it as much as I was. It was, you know, I do prefer it over the one game wild card that they used to play. I never was in favor of doing that. You play an entire 162. I mean, look, I know it hurts for Mets fans that you win 101 games and you're out in the wild card series, but at least that you had a three game series to try and do something instead of, you know, playing 162 games, you win 101, but you lose out on the division and then you lose a one game, one game wild card and you go home. That's just a terrible feeling. So, you know, at least they had a three game series to try and get it done, but they couldn't. Max Scherzer got absolutely bombshelled in game one of that series. DeGrom comes back game two, pitches well enough for them to get the win. And then game three, it was the Joe Musgrove show. I mean, he absolutely shoved to the point where Buck Showalter thought he was cheating. Turns out he wasn't. The Mets just couldn't hit him. And the Mets offense really in games one and three in that series went completely silent. Like I said, there was that one beginning they had in game two uh, where the Padres pitchers just couldn't find the strike zone and weren't getting much help from the umpire either. So the Mets, you know, certainly had their chance, couldn't get it done. You know, I talked about, I was curious to see how that offense plays in the postseason. you know, over 162. That's great when you're facing, you know, a lot of bad pitching, you know, you can certainly get it done, but in the postseason where you're facing good pitchers every day, everybody coming out of that bullpen, you're getting the best arms really hard to put together innings like that. You really need, 
that power to get it done. So we'll see what changes up for the Mets in the offseason. Got some big losses to Grom, Edwin Diaz, Brandon Nimmo, losing a lot of their other bullpen pieces, Adovino, Lugo, possibly Taiwan Walker in the rotation as well. So a lot of subtractions for this Mets team. Going to be a busy offseason for them, but make no mistake, uh, Cohen and that team, they will put a lot of money out there and try to build a contending team. One thing I did want to mention, obviously a lot of focus was on Eargate, as they're calling it from Sunday night. Padre scored six runs on 10 hits against that Mets pitching staff. So, you know, unless they think the Mets hitters were cheating too, or the Padres hitters were cheating too, Padres just went out and won that game. Had some clutch hits, had some good baseball, some some small ball. They had a walk, a stolen base, and a two-out hit that scored a run. Juan Soto put down a, a bunt that put a runner in scoring position for Machado, who then drove in a run. So, I mean, they just played some good situational baseball, some clutch hitting a uh, good hit from Juan Soto, Juan Soto going the other way off Edwin Diaz to score two runs late. Padres just played played better baseball than the Mets in that series, but now they get the Dodgers, and the Dodgers have owned them all year, so we'll see how that goes. As far as the other series, interesting to note, three of the four road teams won the series. You, We talked about the wild card series being a huge advantage for those home teams, but uh, that was not the case. Three of the four road teams won. The Guardians, the only home team to win their series. Runs are hard to come by in that Guardians race series. Both got, games started at 12 Eastern. Again, just hate day baseball in the postseason. That just That's not right. MLB has to change that. Blue Jays blew an 8-1 lead to the Mariners in game two on Saturday, the wildest game of the weekend unfortunate incident there with Bo Bichette and George Springer running into each other on a ball that that blooped in and tied up the game but what a comeback for the Blue Jays now they go on to face the Astros so that'll be a tough series there but again just a lot of fun I love this wild card round I love the format I love what uh, baseball is doing with this just please please get rid of these day games it's just not fair to the fans who are trying to go to these games it's not fair to those teams who get to host these games, please get rid of the day games in the postseason. I'm just I'm tired of seeing them. Yes, it's fun for a fan at home getting to sit down and watch these games all day long, but it's not fair to those teams. It's not fair to the fans going to those games. Got to stop it with these day games in postseason baseball. Well, that will do it for this episode. Again, we'll be back tomorrow talking to Connor Thomas of Locked On Phillies, doing a crossover episode there, previewing more of that Phillies Braves matchup. So make sure that you're subscribed to Locked On Braves. And thank you for making Locked On Braves your first listen of the day. Now go make Locked On MLB your second listen, where Paul Francis Sullivan brings humor, passion, and a unique perspective, talking about the biggest stories from around the league. Again, thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Locked On underscore Braves. You can follow me at Shortstop Ball. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast. And we will talk to you next time. Hey, this is Stacey Gotsoulias. D.C. Lundberg. Ryan Finkelstein. Taylor Blake Ward. Host of Locked on Yankees. Locked on Mariners. Locked on Mets. Locked on Angels. And you're listening to Locked on Braves. Locked on Braves. Locked on Braves. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. 